I'm just going to do a brief, brief uh, recap of the semester. Uh, we've trekked through hard and long through uh, this series that's titled, What is the Church? And, and we've, in our community groups, we've been working through First Timothy. Many of you guys know this. You're a part of a community group and just want to commend you guys on uh, working through that wonderful, wonderful study. There's still a hand uh, up back there. We hope that this series, this semester, has been a blessing to you. Um, we hope that you have grown in your love for, for the church, for Christ and his bride. Um, and again, like I said, I, I just want to take some time to do a brief recap, and you can sort of follow along on your handouts. Uh, there's nothing special on that, but it just titles all the messages that we went through uh, this semester. And so we see uh, the very first at the top is Christ as the head. Uh, Matt started off the semester talking about Jesus Christ as the head of the church. And really, what he talked about that message was that Jesus is the initiator of the church. Uh, he started the church. Um, he's the cornerstone of the church as well. Matt talked about that. Really, to sum it up, Jesus is the focus of the church. Um, and the preeminency of Christ in the church is really further proven and further substantiated by him dying, his death. Uh, his sacrificial giving for the church. Um, and the application for us as believers uh, for week one was really to remember that the church is Christ. Uh, there's no church. This church here, Grace Bible Church, is not Pastor Brian's. Uh, Grace Community in California, many of you know that. That's where John MacArthur pastors. It's not John MacArthur's church. Uh, Christ is the head of the church. Uh, and that is his church. It's not a man's church. And so Remember that the church is Christ, and the focus of the church is always on Christ, to preach Christ, to exalt Christ. Um, week two, moving on to week two, was the beginning of the church. We talked about the beginning of the church, and that the church actually had a beginning, uh, that it always didn't exist, that it didn't exist in the Old Testament. And we talked about some distinctives of the church as it relates to uh, the gatherings that occurred in the Old Testament. There were really two distinctive characteristics of the church um, when comparing it to the Old Testament gatherings. The first was that believers, believers starting about in Acts chapter 2, were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised, he says, I'm leaving, a helper is coming, and you're going to be filled with the Spirit, and the Spirit's going to be in you indefinitely. And we looked at a couple passages in the Old Testament that that wasn't the case. We saw Saul, he was given the Spirit, and then uh, when he sinned against the Lord and was sort of dethroned by God, the Spirit left him. That's what the text says. And so one of the distinctives of the church uh, was that they were indwelt by the Spirit. All members of the church are indwelt, indwelt by the Spirit indefinitely. Another distinctive of the church that we talked about uh, was that it was composed of Jews and Gentiles. And this was new. Uh, this was unprecedented. Ne never has that occurred. Uh, I like to compare the Jew and Gentile relationship between sort of the, the Afro-American and, and uh, sort of Caucasian relationship in terms of, of slavery, in terms of sort of the chauvinistic mindset uh, of the Jews thought they were better just by nature because they were God's people. Uh, they thought they were better than the Gentiles, and never did they partake with meals. And there were actually commands not to do that because the nations were wicked and they didn't love God. But you see in Acts chapter 2, and really in, starting in Acts chapter 10, there started to be Gentiles and Jews that gathered together uh, to proclaim Jesus Christ. Neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave, free, barbarian. 
Christ is in all. And so that was week two. And really the application of that message, uh, at the end of the message we looked at Acts chapter 2 verse 42 where we saw that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, uh, to the breaking of bread and to fellowship. And really that's a blueprint, that's a model for us, is that that's what we ought to to devote ourselves to as well, is to biblical preaching, uh, to fellowship, to prayer. So we ought to follow that model that's given for us in Acts chapter 2. Week three, we talked about God's faithfulness and man's uh, sinfulness. And Matt just did a really superb job. Uh, Really, that message was just a a really brief outline of of the church's history. Of the church's history. We we learned about what was going on in specific time periods in relation to the church in the patristic period and the Reformation during the Enlightenment. What was going on in the church? And Matt really pointed out a lot of the heresies that plagued the church, if you guys can remember that. And really, these heresies sort of were brought forth due to a neglect of the Word of God and due to a twisting of Scripture. Um, But though these perversions and sort of these attacks were were being done by heretics uh, in the church throughout, uh, throughout the history, God was still faithful to preserve the church. He was still faithful to preserve preserve the church through all the heresies that plagued the church Uh, and we're here today we remember what he told uh, the disciples in Matthew chapter 16 I believe he says listen I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it nothing's going to stop the church and so week three as we looked at church history saw God's faithfulness despite man's sinfulness within the church. And really the application for that message was stick to the truth. Because again, a lot of the heresies that sort of sprung, for, sprung forth in the church were due to a neglect of the word of God. It was due to a twisting of scripture. And many of you guys know what 2 Timothy 2.15 says. It says, Paul tells Timothy, rightly divide the truth. Rightly handle the word. And that was really the application uh, that Matt really drew us to at the end. Uh, week four and five, I sort of put those together because that was a two-part series on marks of a healthy church. And really what we learned in those two messages is what to look for in a church, uh, what to look for in the church. Uh, the church is, suppo- is supposed to preach the word. Uh, the church is, there's supposed to be a, a, a right understanding of membership. Uh, they're, a stor- they're to properly administer uh, the ordinances, communion, uh, baptism, uh, the church is to, to practice restoration, Matthew chapter 18. Uh, there's supposed to be discipline in the church. And the applications from those two weeks was really this. When you go out, you guys aren't going to be in Bozeman forever. You know that. Uh, some of you guys might go across the, the country. Some of you guys might go across the states. You need to know what to look for in the church. And that's really what Matt laid out, nine marks of a healthy church, what to look for in a church. Week six, we talked about the inward mission of the church. What is the church to be, doing, is to be doing within its own walls, amongst believers? And we looked at Ephesians chapter 4, uh, and believers are, st- are to be building one another up. They're to be doing the work of the ministry. Pastors are not to do all the work. That's a misconception of the church. The pastor does this. The pastor, pastor does this. No, Paul says in Ephesians 4, listen, the pastors preach the word of God, and the church members go forth to build up the believers in order that we might all grow in Christ-likeness. 
And so the application there was get involved. Get involved in the church. We as the church, we have a mandate to help one another grow. Um, And this comes through discipleship. This comes through using your gifts. We looked at that in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It talks about gifts that is given to us by the grace of God. We have gifts, and we need to use that gifts, as 1 Peter 4 says, to serve one another, to serve one another. Week 7, we talked about the role of the church in the unbelieving world, and Andrew taught us about Jesus' words to his disciples in Matthew chapter 5 where he tells them to be a light to the world, be salt and light to the world. And Andrew just really did a a great job establishing that though believers are in the world, uh, though we are in the world, their godly actions should separate them from the world, thus pointing the unbelieving world to God, glorifying God. And the application in that message where believers are to expose the world of their wickedness. They have to expose the world of their wickedness And then guide the world to Jesus Christ, to faith in Jesus Christ. Week 8, Matt talked about preach the word. And listen to the words in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It says, I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. It's Paul's words to Timothy, who was pastoring in Ephesus at the time. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. And Matt just talked about really how that's being undermined uh, amongst evangelicals today. In so many pulpits, there's a lack of biblical preaching. Uh, Men are stepping up in the pulpit and giving their own ideas. That's not what Paul told Timothy to do. He says, listen, there's coming a time where men are going to be ear ticklers. That is, they're going to tell men what they want to hear. They're not going to proclaim the hard truths. They're not going to preach the whole counsel of God. And that's really what Matt did a great job of teaching that. Listen, the church, we must preach the word. That's what needs to happen, preach the word. Even the baby agrees. Preach the word, right? Yeah, preach the word. (laughs) Week nine, uh, we had the privilege of having uh, Gail Heidi who is a grandpa, uh, Mary's, Mary's husband, uh, he came in and spoke to us on the issue of the church and how it relates to politics. And that's huge. That's a huge issue uh, within today's Christianity. How does the church and politics relate? And in that message, Gil talked about the politics of Jesus, uh, how he was patient, how he was sacrificial, uh, how he always sought the glory of God above everything else. He talked about uh, the politics of the church uh, from a biblical standpoint. Uh, The church is to be a witness to the world. The witness to the world. Um, And this oftentimes doesn't mean uh, joining the government. Uh, This doesn't mean placing a Christian in an authoritative position. This means being the church, being a light to the church. Being a light in a wicked and perverse generation, according to Philippians chapter 2. The church oftentimes isn't to, isn't to join teams with the world, but it's to seek to convert the world. And maybe you remember Gail saying this. This stuck with me. He says the best the church can do for the world is this. Be the church. The best the church can do for the world is be the church. Be believers. Be holy individuals set apart. Listen, I, I don't mean any disrespect by this, but 
having a Christian president isn't going to bring about this radical change in America. But being the church, being individuals who are set apart, who are seeking to glorify God, that's what we should be seeking to do. He also talked about that our home isn't here. Our home isn't here. We have a home in heaven. We're pilgrims, right? Week 10, we took a break because we had spring break. Took a week off. And then week 11, we came back and we talked about the church's gospel and the view of conversion. And the church's gospel, I talked about it, is the true gospel. Uh, the church is the pillar and buttress of truth, Paul says in 1 Timothy 3. And the church's gospel really is being the true and biblical gospel. There's aspects of it that are being neglected. There's hard truths that are being neglected, i.e. God's glory, right? We live in this humanistic society that seeks to make man the pinnacle of all, right? It's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The point of the gospel is not men, right? We looked at Romans chapter 11, and Paul gives this sort of systematic layout of the gospel. And his concluding thoughts in Romans chapter 11 is, for from God, to God. Through God are all things. That's a hard truth, that the gospel message isn't about us, but it's about the glory of God. It's about the glory of God. Amen, yeah. And we talked about other aspects that are neglected. Uh, sin, sin's not being preached. Individuals on campus, they get upset when uh, some street preachers come and talk about sin and talk about hell. Listen, those are truths that we need to proclaim to the world. You got to let the world know that they're sick or they're never going to see their need for Christ, right? They're never going to see their need for Christ. We also talked about conversion a little bit, making a few points about that. Conversion requires change. Conversion requires change. And really the application during that week was this. I really wanted to say to you guys is protect the truth. Protect the truth. It's being attacked. There's assaults against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even amongst individuals, the, the evangelicals, individuals who we call brothers and sisters, they're neglecting the truth. And we must protect it. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. The deposit is the pure gospel doctrine. He said, protect it. He says, keep it from harm's way. Of course, that was happening in Ephesus. You guys know that. We're studying 1 Timothy Next week, uh, week 12, to dunk or not to dunk was Matt's title. Talked about really the two ordinances that uh, Jesus implemented for the church, which was communion and baptism. And he talked about how, listen, baptism is for believers only. It's for believers only. That's what we see in the New Testament. It's for believers only. Week 13, we had persecuted church night. Uh, we dimmed the lights. We had some candles. We had videos. Andrew preached from John chapter 15, did a wonderful job where Jesus says, listen, the world hates you. The world hates you. It's hated me first. It's going to hate you because you're not of the world. And really what we wanted to get at that night was we wanted to remember those individuals around the world who are being persecuted, who are being persecuted for their faith. Uh, Rome, Hebrews 13.3 says this, remember the prisoners as though in prison with them. And those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves are in the body, we're commanded as believers to remember the individuals who are being persecuted. And not only to remember them, uh, we, we, we not, and I, actually I should say this, remember them, remembering them involves praying for them as well. And so that's what we did. We prayed for them as well. 
And we have to remember, persecution is going to come. It's just going to come. By nature of who we are now, uh, spiritually speaking, we're believers. We're not of the world. Persecution's coming. Week 14, we talked about uh, the church and end times. I made a case for the pre-tribulational view of the rapture. Uh, that is, before the seven-year tribulational period, Jesus Christ is going to rapture his church, and we rejoice, and we get on our horses, and we, uh, and we yell, yippee, because we don't have to go through that seven-year tribulational period where God is going to deal out retribution on the unbelieving world. Uh, in Matthew 24, Jesus, all of a discourse, he says, listen, never has anything occurred. The seven-year tribulation is going to be unheard of. As God unleash his wrath against the unbelieving world. And Jesus is going to, literally the word is, in 1 Thessalonians 4, he's going to snatch away his church. And it says, take them away to be with him forever. Forever. And then Matt last week did a wonderful job of talking about heaven. Do you guys long for heaven? We ought to. We ought to long for heaven. He did a wonderful job of talking about what heaven is what it's going to be like, what's the purpose of heaven, and really to glorify God forever. We get to glorify God forever. Praise God. Praise God. No more sin, no more sickness, no more crying. We long for that day. And so that's the semester, guys. And it's our prayer that uh, it's been a blessing for you. Uh, it's been a prayer of ours that you've uh, took a lot out of your first Timothy study in the community groups and in the large group study uh, Thursday night. Um, we hope that you've grown really at the bottom of your handout. Have you grown? That's a question I want to pose. I need to pose to myself and I pose to you guys. Have you grown in your love for Christ and his bride? Because if you haven't done that, you, you really missed the point. Have you grown in your love for Jesus Christ and his bride? And so I want to thank God for this semester now. So would you bow your heads with me? Lord, thank you so much for this semester, this wonderful semester on what the church is. Thank you for, thank you for all the truths, Lord. I, I pray that the saints were built up, Lord, by, by, the, by the preaching of the word. I pray that they were encouraged, Lord. Thank you so much for your church. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of the, the greatest team ever established, uh, the team that even the supernatural powers of hell cannot destroy. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that one day we are going to be with you. You're going to be our God, and we are going to be your people. Thank you so much, Lord. Increase our love for the church. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.